This is Mitchell McLam, lead pastor of Sapona Road Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're so excited you found our podcast. Our prayer is that you're blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Sapona Road Church or would like to give to this ministry, please visit our website at saponaroadchurch.com. We hope you have a great day and enjoy today's message. Luke chapter 24. Would you turn with me there, please? I'm stuck on this thought process of after the grave. And so I decided we're going to make it a sermon series. And I'm going to preach several messages out of this thought. So today I want to look at Luke chapter 24, uh, verses 13 through 34. And uh, I'm going to read this to us, and I know that it's a lengthy little passage, but just hang with me. Luke chapter 24, verse 13. Just kicked into the preaching voice. Do you hear it? It says, that same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. I love it when Jesus shows up when I'm on a dirt road somewhere lost and confused, and he just happens to be walking with me. You with me? What's so cool about it, though, is God kept them from recognizing him. So he shows up, he's there, even our circumstances, even in our lives, so often whenever we can't recognize him, which is intentional. In the technical language, we call that a divine passive. It was this thing where they they couldn't see him. They couldn't recognize him. Why? Because God kept them from seeing him. It's a passive verb, and the, the subject of the passive verb is God. They couldn't see him. Why? Because God kept them from seeing him. You with me? You sure? Verse 17, he asked them, what are you discussing so intently? The word discussing there in the original language, and I promise I'm not going to do this the entire time. There's just some really interesting things here. Discussing would mean uh, it's the only time this word's actually used in the New Testament. That's why, to me, it's a little important. And it literally means that they're tossing back and forth. They're, they're having a true, literal conversation. It's not one-sided. It's not that one person's talking and the other person's listening. They are literally Throwing ideas, they're throwing thoughts, they're throwing emotions back and forth and discussing this intently. He said, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? And they stopped short. They're on their journey and Jesus speaks and they stop. This translation says sadness written across their faces. Some translations and the more literal translation is their face was downcast. Because when they were questioned about what they were actually talking about, it brought it all to the surface, and they stopped, and they're discouraged. One of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem. Almost this sarcastic, which is interesting, because had he known he was talking to Jesus, he would have never responded this way. But he's almost being this smart aleck, if you will, and he said, you must be the only person in Jerusalem that hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. Jesus said, what things? 
the things that happened to Jesus. The man from Nazareth, they said, he was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and our religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death. They crucified him. We had hoped he would be, uh, he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group uh, of his followers were at the tomb early this morning and, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see and sure enough, his body was gone just as the women had said. And Jesus starts to lay it out in verse 25. He said, you foolish people. You find it so hard to believe all the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory. Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. First of all, I have so many little side notes. Not really, this is all I've got, but the side notes in my mind are, do you realize that every scripture in this book points to Jesus? Everything from Moses to the prophets, all of it, all points back to Jesus from the very beginning when, when Adam and Eve were in the garden and, and Adam and Eve, when he, he failed and he messed up and God said, there's going to be one that comes later that we read about it last night with our kids, a little Bible story. And, and that, that pointed to Jesus. He said, there's one going to come later, Satan, that's going to bruise your head, that's going to crush your head. You're going to bruise his heel. Well, Jesus was from the very beginning in scripture. And then 28 says, by the time they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey, Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them, and as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and he blessed it. Doesn't this sound familiar? Then he broke it and he gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and at that moment he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us? as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us. And when then, within that hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. I'm not going to finish that out. That's really where our thought process ends. I want to give you four truths that are in this passage of scripture as we break it down. There's so much more. I'll try not to get off on tangents because it's just so good. We really don't know exactly who Cleo, Cleopas, Cleo is a whole lot easier. We really don't know who he is specifically, and we have no idea who his companion might be. Scholars believe that Cleopas is the same Clopas in John chapter 19, whenever John's explaining who's at the cross, and he says, Mary, the wife of Clopas. If you go back and read that, you see that. And if that's the case, and if they are the same people, then Cleopas and Mary would have been kin to Joseph. Cleopas would have been Joseph's brother. So, if you will, we'll roll with this thought process that Jesus is walking with uh, Uncle Cleopas and Aunt Mary, okay? I really don't know. We don't have any true answers, but when we follow the timeline on back and we study this a whole lot deeper than you really care to study it, that's kind of where we get to. And so they're walking along, and the very first thing that you need to see is they're going the wrong way. 
They're going the wrong way. Everything has taken place in Jerusalem. Jesus has just been crucified. He's just been buried. And now they find out he's not even there. Yet they decide, well, guess it's time to pack up and head back to the house. What? Things are just getting interesting. Things are just getting exciting. Yet they're headed back to Emmaus, which is seven miles away from Jerusalem. They are leaving. They're they're going away from the place that Jesus was last encountered. And I wonder about us so often when things get to a place and they're hopeless, which we'll talk about in a minute, when, when things are not exactly like we think they should be, how often do we find ourselves going the wrong way? I'll just be real. My natural tendency, my personality is walk away from the thing that's not working. And it's a struggle. Daily. I'm, I'm in this school program. At the beginning of the semester, five weeks ago, I was done. I said, I'm ready to quit. Why? Because I was struggling. Now I'm happy as a little lark and I'm doing great and it'll be all good. When things get tough, it's a whole lot easier for me to say, Psh, bump that. I'm going back home to Emmaus, right? And they're walking the wrong way and they're on this journey and they're talking about it because they'd rather talk about it than be in the middle of it. And so they're talking about this problem when Jesus shows up. This very simple thought is sometimes we just need to stay. I don't have a problem worshiping for 35 or 45 minutes uh, a little bit ago because sometimes we just need to tarry a little bit. Sometimes we just need to stay in the presence of God. Sometimes it takes 30 minutes for some of our hearts to ever get soft enough for God to actually do what God wants to do. Sometimes you have to sit there and look at us like we're crazy long enough till finally something catches on and God can do something in you. But instead, we get bored, we get tired, and we walk away. The first problem was they're walking away. And as they're walking, they're having this conversation, and they're talking, and Jesus shows up, and he says, what are you talking about? And they said, well, let's just tell you. I put a little bit of emphasis on it when I was reading it, but they're all underlined in my Bible because I think it's important for you to see. In verse 19... Jesus says, what things? He said, the things that happened to Jesus. He was the man from Nazareth. They said, he what? He was. First problem. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles. And he was a mighty teacher. And then they said in verse 21, we had hoped. We had hoped. The second issue in this whole process is they lost hope. They put Jesus in this past tense form. They're all past tense. They happened previously verbs. You with me? He isn't that that it's not that he is a prophet. It's not that he is doing powerful miracles. It's not that he is the Messiah. It's not that I have hope that he is the Messiah. All of this is past tense. You with me? 
Why? They had hope. They said they did. They had hope he was the Messiah. They had hope he was the one that was going to bring freedom. They had hope he was the one that was going to save the people of Israel. They had the hope. The problem was their hope died on the cross with Jesus. Because they didn't care to hear the other half of the story. The other half of the story that Jesus has taught all throughout his ministry is the Son of Man will die. When the Son of Man dies, after three days, he will be raised again, and he's going to live forevermore. You with me? Come on. You with me? And they only heard half the story. Because we so often only want the good glory. We want the, the guts and the glory. We want what's good. We want the celebration. We want the honor and the praise. We want the good season. But so often we don't want the bad season. We don't want the death of the situation. Right? We want Jesus to live forever. We want Jesus to be the Messiah who's come to rescue Israel. But the fact that he has to die and go to the ground bothers us just a little bit. Why? Because that meant they had to go three days on their own. Hello? We don't like to be by ourselves very often. We don't like to have to struggle through a situation. We don't want to have to have our own faith to make it through. We don't want to have to encourage ourselves like David did to make it through the situation. And so when all of a sudden things seem hopeless and when our hopes and our dreams and situations, when, when the raise, the pay raise, when, when the paycheck, when the stimulus check don't show up, when whatever goes on, the way that it goes on, we crucify our hope with that dead situation because we don't have the faith to walk three days on our own. You with me? I feel like I'm preaching to a camera this morning. Y'all quiet. They lost their hope. That's the problem. Their facts are correct. They're even explaining to Jesus who he is and who he was supposed to be. And now icing on the cake is even as things have happened the way he said they would. I'm going to be raised from the dead. When the ladies show up to look in the tomb and Peter and John go to confirm it, the body's gone. Well, that sealed the deal for me. I'm done. He ain't there. Somebody must have stole him. Somebody didn't steal him. He told you he won't going to be there. He told you that there was going to be a season that was going to be unknown just a little bit. He told you that he had to go down to hell and defeat death and the grave. He told you that there was going to be a season. Three days later, he was going to rise. If he said it, he's going to do it. If he told you he's going to take care of you, he's going to take care of you. If he told you that you're never going to beg for bread, you're never going to beg for bread. If he told you that morning's only going to last for a little while and joy comes in the morning, I promise joy comes in the morning. Don't crucify your hope with the hopeless situation. They lost their hope. They went the wrong way. They lost their hope. Thank you, Jesus. We're done with all the negativity. 
They make it to Emmaus. Jesus says, all right, check y'all later. Have a good one. But Jesus, won't you come into our house? They didn't know who he was. I messed that up. Man, stranger on the street. Won't you come to our house? It was the invite. This has nothing to do with the message. They invited him in, though. How often are we shutting him out rather than inviting him in? He told them something they didn't want to hear. They didn't like being corrected. I don't always like being corrected. I told you I don't have a problem saying I'm sorry, but it normally takes me a couple days because I don't like that initial criticism. It hurts, don't it? You don't like being told you're wrong, right? Who does? But they'd have never had Jesus in their house had they not invited the one in who had just shown them the reality of their mistake. We got to stop pushing those people away and we actually need to pull them people a little bit closer because we need people like that in our life. We need people in our circle that will say, Mitchell, you're out of step. You're out of line. You need to get yourself together. Mitchell, you need to pick your face up, son. You're downcast. You're sad. You're upset. You got the joy of the Lord. It's supposed to be your strength. The calling of God is on your life. Pick your head up, son. We need people in our circle like that. Don't push them away. Invite them in. Total side note. They invited him in, and they sat down to eat. Jesus took the bread, just as he did when there was 5,000 hungry people sitting out in front of him. And there were five loaves and just a couple little fish from a poor little boy and his Happy Meal lunch. And he broke the bread, he blessed it, and he gave it to the disciples to distribute to the people. Also the same language of the night that he was going to be arrested, and they're sitting around the table, and he took the bread, he broke it, he blessed it, and then he dispersed it to them. He said, this is representation of the breaking that's going to take place in my body. You with me? Excuse me, you, you recollected where I'm at? And the third thought is it was in the breaking that they saw Jesus. In that moment, they recognized him. Sometimes we have to get to the place of breaking to recognize Jesus. He was there the whole time. He made that walk with them. Down that road, had conversation with them, and they never knew it was him. How many times have we pushed the person away that Jesus is trying to use to make the change in our life? It had to get to the breaking for them to recognize who he was. It was in the breaking that they saw Jesus. I don't like being broken. Does anybody? I hate it. I hate being broken. But if you think back through your life, if you have maintained any bit of hope at all, and you didn't lose your faith, it was in the breaking that you saw Jesus. An addict has to get to an absolute low before they can come up. You with me? You know why? You got to break. To the place of death, where there is nowhere else to go, completely broken. And at that point, you can find salvation and find hope. 
and it was in their breaking that they saw Jesus. I don't like to break. Matter of fact, I hate to break. But I have to be grateful for the seasons of brokenness because it's without those seasons, so often I would never see the grace of God working in my life. If I'm high on the mountain and I'm celebrating and I'm excited and everything's going great, Mitchell gets a little prideful. Mitchell forgets how he got to the top of the mountain occasionally. Now maybe it's not, oh, I push God. I'm not talking, don't, don't over them. We all get this way. When everything's going fine and dandy in your life, you really are not at a place where you're on your knees begging God to move in that moment. Why? Because you don't need to beg God to move in that moment because now you're up high on the mountain because he's already moved. The problem is we forget that he brought us here and so now I'm walking high on the mountain and eventually I'm going to run out of mountain and I'm going to fall and I need those moments, I need those seasons to humble me back to a place on my knees where I can say, God, I'm so sorry, forgive me, Lord. I'm broken and I need you and in those seasons of brokenness is where I see Jesus. You with me? They went the wrong way. They lost their hope. Praise God in their brokenness, they see Jesus. And once they see Jesus, the word says within the hour they were on their way back to Jerusalem. Number four is Jesus changed the direction. They just walked this journey, a long road. I don't care to walk a half a mile, more or less seven miles. You agree? And I know that I don't walk, and they did walk, but I don't care. I don't want to walk. And they've made it to, to home. But because they've seen Jesus, they said, we can't stay here anymore. I can't stay here anymore. Why? Because I've got to go back to that place. I've got to get back to his presence. I've got to get back to the place where I know he's going to be. I've got to get back to the place where I know I can find him. I've got to get back to the place. He said that, that he wouldn't leave me. He said he wouldn't. I know that he's got to be somewhere around there. Yeah, I can't see him. His body's not in the grave anymore. And he's there somewhere, though. And I've got to go back to where it all happened. Scripture tells us to do our first fruits over. Sometimes we've got to go back to that place. We don't want to go back, though, because we've made it so far. And to go back would be backwards. But it's almost like this compounding effect because, I mean, I, I'm just, I don't know how to make you see this. If I'm walking, okay, here's one layer of travel, and I'm here, okay? i got to go back. Okay, I'll go back. There's learning that takes place on this, this second layer of travel back. You with me? Is it somewhat making sense? And then when I get back to that place again, I'm going to be even better than I was the first time because there's more experience under my belt. I did go back, and now as I've gone back and I'm making this journey again, I'm making this journey now in a different way, in a different light. And so now I'm making this journey. I'm going to get back to where I was. And when I get back to where I was, I'm not going to be down there anymore. Now I'm going to be up here because... God's brought me to this new level. You with me? 
Jesus turned the direction. Some of us are walking away from situations. And in the brokenness, we need to see Jesus. And once we see Him, we need to turn around and go back. There's an interesting thought here. Verse number 32. Carter. We're going somewhere over the next few weeks. May 23rd would be what we would celebrate as Pentecost. I just went old school. Pentecost Sunday. And I'm just trying to walk this out because it's in my heart to walk it out after the grave and then we're going to walk into the Holy Spirit fire. Jesus was speaking. Ah, this is good. They said to each other, didn't our hearts, what? 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 Within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us. They didn't even know who he was. Huh. The Holy Spirit hadn't even come yet. Jesus, through the Word of God, was already pouring out His Spirit in these people. I don't know about you, but I want to burn. You with me? Didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road to, and explained the script? I remember one year at youth camp, that was a memory verse. Why? It's random because there's no context when you've got a list of scriptures to memorize. But when we put this in context, they were hopeless. They were going the wrong direction. You with me? They had nothing. They were done. Our hopes and dreams were crucified on the cross. Jesus is dead. Somebody stole his body. Thought he was the one for years. I'm talking years and years and years. They've waited. That, that little, I had no idea this was going to all come into play. The little Bible story we read last night, talked about, and I just love the way that it placed it. From, from the time Eve began to have babies, she was waiting on the one that would, that would crush Satan's head. I never thought about this this way. When she had Cain and Abel, she thought, is one of my boys, is he gonna be, is one of my boys gonna be the one to crush Satan? Nope. Not happening. She told her daughters, well, babies, baby girls, there's somebody, there's a son gonna be born one of these days and he's gonna crush Satan. One of these days, baby girl, you might have that baby. She told her granddaughters and her great-granddaughters, hey, I can't even make a granny voice. Honey, you might have that baby one day. That didn't happen, though. And then we go through prophet after prophet after prophet who are prophesying Jesus. And they have hope that the hundreds of years go by, nothing happens. So another prophet shows up and hundreds of years go by, nothing happens. And then finally, the, the prophet Micah shows up and 500 years later, Jesus shows up. 
I just don't understand. They're having the conversation. I don't get it. I just knew he was the one. I just knew he was the one. I just knew he was the Messiah. Nah, we're wrong. He ain't there no more. That man died. Let's go to the house. And as Jesus began to share the word of God, we don't understand the power of sharing the word of God. We don't understand the power that we have within us to encourage somebody with the scripture. We don't understand the authority in that scripture. These folks were hopeless. They had nothing. They're done. Jesus, they don't even know who he is as he's having this conversation. But as he walks through scripture, they stop and they think. They say, something changed. Something happened. Because as we were fed the word of God, as we were fed scripture by Jesus, didn't, didn't your heart burn? Yeah. I really didn't know what it was, but my heart did burn. Did your heart, you felt the same thing? Yeah. And they had no clue what it really was until, <laughs> I can't get there yet. In a few weeks, we get to Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, and what was really taking place was, when the Holy Spirit came, fire began to sit on each one of them, and there was a burn that was instantly ignited within them. Jesus had put the Holy Spirit within these two individuals. We want to burn? You want to know how you get on fire? You want to know what you got to do? All I know is this Bible says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, the Word was with God. And then the Word became flesh, and the Word was crucified on a cross. You with me? But it always goes back to the Word. You want to burn? You want the Holy Spirit moving? You want to, to look back on your day and think, man, today was a good, you know, something burned in me today. There was a passion. There was a spark. There was something special in me today. You know how it happens? You let Jesus teach you through the Scripture. And our heart begins to burn. They went the wrong way. They lost all hope. They found him in the breaking. And when they encountered him, they changed their direction. I don't know what it is we're walking away from today. I don't know what it is we've lost all hope in today. I can tell you that you can't lose hope in Jesus. We can't lose hope in Jesus. Whatever it is we're walking away from, we need to stop. Be broken. Allow him to show himself to us so we can turn around and go back. Father, I love you, Lord. God, I thank you for your everlasting love that's chasing us down as we sing and worship about this morning. 
Lord, I thank you for your goodness, your grace, your mercy on our life. God, I thank you that even when we're hopeless, even when we're going the wrong direction, Father, although we might can't see you, you're walking beside us. You're walking right there in the midst of us as we're traveling this lonely road back to where we think we're supposed to be headed, traveling this lonely road back to the place where where we find some kind of comfort, we find some kind of help, back to that place we might call home. God, as we're traveling there, hopeless, lost, feeling like we've been defeated, God, even in that season, you're walking among us. You're with us. Father, I pray that our heart would burn as you begin to show us your word. Lord, let the Holy Spirit empower us. Let it, Holy Spirit, move in us. Let the power of your word make us burn. Spark a fire. God, let us speak encouragement and love through Scripture to spark a fire in somebody else. Lord, maybe we're in a broken season. Maybe we're walking through this brokenness, we're tired, we're hurt. If we're not in a broken season right now, the sure thing is a broken season's coming. They're always around the corner somewhere. Because we always have to be reminded that you're the king of glory. And without you, I'm nothing. God, and in that brokenness, Lord, let us see you. Let us see how you're working. Let us see what you're trying to do in us. Let us realize God, the provision you've got for us, let us realize that the breakthrough that's coming through the breaking. God, let us change our direction today to go back to that place to wait. Yeah, more waiting. More waiting must take place as we go back to to the Jerusalem of the situation, as we go back to that place and wait, Father, for you to show up. For you to do something, for you to move in the situation. God, correct our path today. Let yourself be known to us, God. Reveal yourself through the breaking. And turn our hearts today to go back to where we're supposed to be. Father, I thank you for this beautiful time together, for your word for the time of worship, your presence in the house. Father, I thank you. God, I thank you that you're alive, that we can truly have this encounter and this time together with you. I thank you, Lord. Father, I pray blessings on your people. Bless them and keep them, Lord. Let your face shine on them. God, give them grace and peace in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen.